Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,100 miles south-southeast of me, is the one and only Kip Fisher, and we are coming to you live for the 87th time on the Half Ashed Cigar Podcast on October 17th. Kip, my man, how the hell are you? I'm fair to Midland, but I'll call it good because it's Friday night. Don't you know when somebody asks you that, you just say, I'm good, how are you? I don't like that. Me either. That was a trick <laughs> question. Good for you. <laughs> you passed with flying colors. We call that fine ease. Oh, I'm fine. Yes, fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad to hear that you're trending towards positive. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. We, uh, we have we have not broadcasted in two weeks. I feel fresh and rejuvenated and... And almost like I miss everybody. I know it's weird. It's, uh, could you just imagine being Bob and Dale on Dog Watch and doing this every Friday for six and a half years? No, eight and a half years. <laughs> oh my gosh! First of all, my wife would kill me. Second of all, I don't. I don't know if I could be that jazzed about it doing it every single week like that. The, what troopers those guys were. I know it's crazy. Well, they're still with us, so what troopers those guys are? That's true. And pending more news in light of my announcement last week, we may have to ask for them to step in for at least a week or two. Well, I think and we can allow that. I do too. And if you will remind me after the show, I have another great recommendation. Somebody that has put themselves out there that hey, I will step in if you'd like. Did I uh, did I ever tell you that I had somebody who offered to? Uh, I didn't really know who they were. They just offered and said, "Hey, if you guys ever need a sub, we'd be willing to uh, participate." You did not tell me that. Yeah, I completely forgot who it was now. But uh, gosh, it was probably a year ago at this point. And I said, "Well, thank you very much. We've got some guys that we use as regular subs, but." Uh, I appreciate it. Now, maybe uh, we'll scroll through all our regular subs. You never know. Maybe I'll need that gent to come out of the woodwork. Yeah, and uh, the, the guy I'm talking about just mentioned this in the past week or two, so I'll uh, fill you in after. It's spectacular. Well, but how about we actually get into a cigar show? That's probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's kind of funny. Having not done a show last week, you and I really only talked over text, and uh, it's kind of funny. I feel like we've got legitimate catching up to do. I believe we do. We haven't really... Yeah, we a couple of texts here and there. Well, I was out of town and practically out of complete cell service and, you know, not really accessible for much of the week, but... Uh, uh, I guess I suppose we do have a bit of an excuse, but either way, it's it's nice to catch up, hear your voice, and see your shining little smile. What uh, you've been smoking a lot of cigars, enjoying a lot of time. Yeah, I've got a few in here and there. I've been uh, smoking the good ones lately. I know that. <laughs> Great. So once I call your cigar collection after you kick the bucket, you smoke all the good stuff. That's terrific. <laughs> Well, I have been doing much of the same with uh, 
I went on the trip last week. That was my reason for uh, for not really being accessible, and I I took some goodens with me, man, and I enjoyed every one of them. Most excellent. That is what they're made for, man. It is. There's no doubt about it. They should be smoked and enjoyed. Yep. If they're not good enough to smoke, what's the point in having Maria? Well, a lot of them are really damn pretty, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> that's true, but they got to be good to smoke. I yeah, mean, that's true. I want to collect something that has no utilitarian function. Seems silly. Well, and let's be honest. The band afterwards makes for a pretty cool decoration if you put it somewhere or you know keep it in a frame or something like that. So it's nice to smoke them, and it's nice to think about them afterwards too. It does, and if you have a special band like that, I'll make a recommendation. Go out there and dig around and find the little frames they make for duck stamps. They're perfect for a cigar band. Duck stamps? I don't even know what that is. Good gracious, man. Um, uh, okay. Federal tax that helps support duck and uh, waterfowl conservation are called duck stamps. And it used to literally be just a plain little stamp. And you buy that stamp today, I think they're about 15 bucks. And in addition to any state permits you need for duck hunting, you have to have the federal stamp. And you have to sign your name across the front to use it. But there's a big collector's market for them, and they make little specialized frames and things that will fit a cigar band rather nicely, too. Wow, I, am, I just did a quick Google search for duck stamp frame. Mm -hmm. And there are some awesome ones. I know, and they're small. They're that size. Wow, that's ridiculously cool. The only problem would be you now have to somehow secure it in there. Yeah. little spot of that booger glue. I don't know what else you call it. The little, <laughs> the little rubberized adhesive thing. It doesn't, like, eat away the, the metals and the, the stuff in the ink? No, you put it on the back, on the white side. Oh, you put it on the back? You mean you actually want to look at the band? <laughs> Yahoo. <laughs> what? Is it going to take the ink? Is it going to suck it through the paper? You've never seen a cigar band that bleeds through on the other side? I've seen the end of one that's stuck to the front of the other side and do that. Well, yeah, I guess that's the case too. But, I mean, I, I've i seen, like, you take a band off and on the back side you can almost see, like, it's bled through from oils or moisture or something oh like gosh. that. You're not going to live for 200 years, man. Hey, you never know. Great day in the morning. <laughs> Didn't Moses live for like 800? Why can't we do that? Yeah, you're not Moses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only we named every show. That would be perfect. <laughs> you are uh, not Moses. Episode 87. Craig, you're not Moses. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Ah, well, it's been a darn good week. Fishing was uh, fishing was pretty good. The cigars were pretty good. The friends were spectacular, and uh, this cigar tonight is so spectacular. Those of you who are watching the video can see. I don't have much left of mine, and we just started the show. It's it's that good. I started it early when I was doing show prep and uh, some planning tonight. I couldn't keep my grubby little mitts off of it, so it, I uh, I am thoroughly enjoying it. As we discussed earlier, if you don't have your Star Trek teleporter when you finish that thing tonight, you're just scrubbed. 
<laughs> well, bite me. How's that? <laughs> Folks, there is now a graphic for bite me, Greg. <laughs> if you join up in our forum, you can find it. And then we're we're like ten minutes in this thing. We gotta get something. We didn't even tell people what we're smoking tonight because I keep interrupting you. Well, I've just said how good it is. So yeah, why don't why don't you uh, introduce this cigar of the week, which just happens to be one of yours, and tell everybody how fantastic of a treat you've given me. Absolument. Tonight we are smoking the Don Pepin Garcia Blue. Uh, Exquisito, uh, which is kind of a Corona Gorda-ish Vitoa. Uh, um, what do I got in the notes here? It's 5 and 5 eighths by 46, and for some time, and actually quite some time, uh, this was my very favorite Vitoa in this line, in the blue line. But nowadays I tend to uh, have a pretty strong preference for the Robusto or the Lancero. Those are my two favorites now. Um, but I absolutely don't have a beef with this cigar. I have a number of them still around and, and love them. Um, fresh or with you know time on them, I, I think they're a great cigar. They're one of those cigars that are good day one in the shop, right off the truck, or they're good years from now. Um, constant but never o- overbearing spice is kind of the signature or a fixture with this blend. Um, the other Vitolas, however, specifically the two I just mentioned, have a much sweeter disposition. While this one is pleasant in its own right, it has more of a, a savory bent for me anyway. Um, comes in no less than nine different Vitolas that I can think of or find, um, which is crazy to me. But uh, and Oh, ten. There are ten of them because I just thought of another one. Um, <laughs> so you got a big range to think of, to think of, to choose from. Uh, Nicaraguan Puro with a Corojo wrapper, and uh, whatever reason, I'm not sure why there are wildly varying prices for these. It pays to shop around for this line. Um, tonight's Vitola that we're smoking, uh, the uh, Exquisito, in Tampa, you can find anywhere from six to eight bucks a piece. Wow, that's a that is a big swing. The third extra on six dollars. Mm-hmm. Wow! Holy cow! Well, I uh, I don't know if it's just sheer dumb luck or if somehow uh, not thinking has made me smarter than what I do think. But I uh, decided to have a what is it, a Rogue Brewery, I think, Dead Man's Ale to accompany okay. uh, t- tonight's cigar with that, figuring that a little bit of a hoppy cigar might pair well with uh, kind of the natural citrus, I'm sorry, a hoppy beer might pair well with the citrusy flavor I expect from uh, these pepines. And I have to say, I think that it's really dampened a lot of that kind of grapefruity, orangey flavor that I get on a lot of these blue labels. Um, but maybe that's just what you're saying, the, the kind of lack of... Uh, Sweetness and the um, addition of a lot more savory flavors than with the other Vitolas. Maybe I'm just used to the other Vitolas here. I don't know. I thought that the the beer was creating a really good pairing and kind of balancing out that grapefruity flavor and allowing the other complexities to come through. But maybe what you're saying is the case. Yeah, could be. I don't know. I just know that that that's my take on this particular Vitola over the others. Hmm. Boy, I just took the wrapper off the last two inches I have on this cigar, mm-hmm. and 
It is a very, very flavorful wrapper. Holy guacamole. For a Corojo wrapper, I wonder if Peen grows this. Where's it from? Uh, they're all Nicaraguan. I don't have any specifics, but you know he does nowadays grow much of his own tobacco. How old is this cigar? Seven, eight years? Not this specific. Oh, yeah. Oh, the blue was one of his earliest blends after kind of leaving Miami. Huh. <clears throat> I wonder if this is, gosh, 2007, 2006. I don't remember uh, when that yeah. first uh, Estelian factory opened. I don't know. Uh, just as a maintenance side note, we've already overstepped our chat tonight. Oh, talk Sorry. about it. Guys, we are going to have a very slow chat room for the remainder because I don't think they're going to let me take the restriction off this time. Poop. We're doing good, but we have, uh, looks like about 20 guys in there. and Shared hosting is just not doing it. Anywho, we will proceed with the show. Well, just to throw this out there, next week, those of you who send us free cigars will be allowed to come back in the chat room, and we're going to limit it at 10. <laughs> so get us those free samples. Oh. <laughs> well, this is a darn tootin' good cigar, and uh, boy, you can tell I've been around kids this afternoon. Darn tootin'. Darn tootin', eh? It's uh, it's very enjoyable. I actually think I might like this Vitola. The two that I've had in the last couple days here have been exceptionally enjoyable. Um, I'm glad to hear it. Really enjoyable. So, thank you. Not a problem, my friend. I am. Uh, I have to say, I'm getting um, the spiciness is coming across a little bit differently. It's almost like a like a cinnamon graham cracker, maybe? But it tastes like there's a, a graham consistency to it, which is a flavor I don't get a ton, but love that. Yeah. Yeah, and that actually is... What you're describing sounds much more like the uh, the Robusto in particular. Robusto is really sweet to me. Hmm. Hmm. Yummy. Well, pretty darn good. I'm uh, really interested to seeing where your thoughts on this cigar go, because I'd have to say that that kind of cinnamony graham flavor picked up a little more towards the end of this one. And, uh, again, like I said, I don't know if it's specifically from the beer or what, but... No, I, I, I definitely get that. I, I will, next time I come into possession of some, I'll send you some of the Robustos to try and make some comparisons. Oh, gosh. Those things are available at just about every cigar store I've ever been in, so don't worry about that. I appreciate oh, it, though. Okay. Well, go buy your own dang cigar. So. <laughs> oh, no, just send me some of the stuff from the bottom shelf, man. Man, let me tell you, that bottom shelf has shrunk a lot in the past few weeks. Good, good. Well, you know what tonight is, Kip? You know what tonight's when I'm about to tell you what I'm going to do with the bottom shelf. Oh. I have five different sharks. I'm interested. The Añejo Shark, a pre-open release, what they call prehistoric shark, which is a little different size, kind of a weird-looking cigar. And then the regular Opus Sand Shark, and Don Carlos Shark. Wow. And one more I'm having trouble remembering at the moment. Um, and I'm going to just start hitting the man. They only got one apiece, but 
just popping out reviews for those guys. Wow, that sounds pretty flippin' fantastic. I've never even heard of a Don Carlos shark. Yeah, those don't really hit the market. They're CFC things. Oh, I can only imagine they are. Well, I had uh, I had a cigar this week that I assumed was a normal production cigar, but then when I looked into it a little bit, I uh, I don't think it was the same size as what I uh, expected to be a normal production. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in the what else we've been smoking area, and maybe that's something from CFC that you happen to bestow upon me. Oh, uh, okay. Hmm. Mm-mm. Yummy. Well, as I was saying, tonight is uh, tonight is a darn good night. Couple shows in a row that I'm going to say that, and you know what? I might just say it say it every time that we record, because no matter what the week's been, no matter what the weekend has to come, Friday nights are a damn good time. Yeah. Some of the best that I have all week, if not the best. Same here. Looking forward to it all week long, and just savor it. Every Friday night. Well, we're all rejuvenated after that much appreciated week off. Thank you, uh, listeners, for allowing us to do that. And happy to bring an oldie but goodie to this week's featured stick, as we've already talked about. We've got some well rounded uh, news covering everything from legislation to new releases, and without fail, absolutely, some discussion this, uh, this show about our week off. And all that took place since episode 86, so stick with us. You might hear a few fish stories, uh, a few awkward yet really cool things about the trip, and, uh, oh, I'm sure quite a few rat holes in there. So <laughs> stay tuned. We'll have a darn good evening here coming up. Cool. Well, shall we kick off news and talk a little bit about that first uh, cigar release that you've got noted here? Yeah, sure. I... Uh picked up, actually it looks like they had posted a picture or two in yesterday and today, uh, they being Alec Bradley, um, but they changed their uh, header image on their Facebook page today with uh, some packaging information about this year's Find and Rare, because uh, I know there's kind of a cult following for that cigar, understandably. Um, <coughs> always been a good cigar to me. One in particular was a great cigar, and at this point I don't even remember which because I don't have any of them left. <clears throat> but uh, the only information I could kind of gather off that picture was they were rolled this past January uh, for one week's time. Total production is 3,000 boxes. Uh, in the past, I believe there are boxes of 10. They could have been 12. I think they were 10. I'd have to look that up. And the release date has already passed. His last, uh, whatever day the 12th was, last this past Monday, I guess. Um, I've not seen them on the shelf. I don't believe they're on shelves. I believe they are at Alec Bradley at the moment. Uh, but those should be dropping pretty pronto. So I imagine you'll be seeing them Monday or Tuesday on your store shelves. And the cult following for these, these, this particular cigar is pretty big, and they usually disappear rapidly. Um, most shops, if they have a local Alec Bradley fan, they'll be gone within the hour because uh, there's not usually a huge allotment. Hmm. But then you'll come across them months later, a year later, on Cuenca Cigars, and there was two two years, two release, I mean, there's only one release a year. Two uh, years back, they still had some in Cuenca. They're all gone now, I believe, but they still had them this past year. 
that's the one that uh, reportedly has 10 or 11 different tobaccos in it. Wow. Good gracious. I know. That's just... I, I don't know. I don't even know how that's possible. I, I don't either. I mean, it's, it's just a piece of a leaf of all those kinds of tobacco. It sounds like, oh, that's got to be muddled and just, you know, flavors fighting each other and all, but they're typically, a, they're a really good cigar. Um, for most people, maybe, that are not dedicated Alan Bradley people, uh, the price may drop from way. They usually run 12 to $16 a stick. Well, you know, I guess the easy answer is that maybe they're mixed, Phil. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, no, I I don't dislike Alec Bradley. I, uh, <clears throat> I've had a lot of cigars of theirs that I enjoy. I just don't seem to... I just don't seem to line up with their main blending characteristics. I won't t- poke a... I won't poke at them and imply that they're poor quality. No, not at all. Um, and I, I, it's one of those companies that has been a number of years now that I've kind of just written them off, just kind of not even looked in that section in the humidor. And every once in a while, I like to pick a company like that and revisit their lines. And, and it may be time that I do that with Alec Bradley and see if there's something, you know, Something I missed, something new, I haven't given a proper chance or whatever. I'm thinking of doing that with CAO. Oh, yeah? I used to love CAO sticks, man. Love them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, we've heard, talked a little bit about, uh, on the web, or on the forum, we've talked a little bit about their Brasilia with Mike Stewart's Frankenzilla, Frankenzilla, whatever. Uh, Frankenzilla, yeah, that would be right. Um, reconstruction of a Brasilia cigar, and uh, with something you're going to talk about a little bit later on tonight, and then with some old school uh, anniversary Cameroons that I came across recently, I, I've just been kind of giving a lot of thought to their sticks. So I wonder if it's possible that uh, they might still have some flavor and enjoyment now that they're a general product. They just might. Um, the uh Oh dang it! What was that rock and roll themed line they did concert? Yeah, uh, two years ago when that first came out, the robusto and it was kind of a you know a robusto extra. It was a little bit oversized, maybe just a bit fatter than typical. Um, I really liked that cigar a lot, and I, I actually had bought several of them, and kind of hit a streak where the draw was really tight on a high percentage of them and I basically threw in the towel because I was like, you know, it was a good cigar, but now I'm doubling the price when half of them are, are too uh, too dense to be smoked. But yeah. And I just gave up on that. But that was a good cigar if the production's running good. Um, I'm trying to think. That CAO Olsa Soul, the Olancho mm. San Augustine, I like that one pretty well. I mean, it wasn't earth-shattering, but it, it was a good solid smoke. Well, the CX-2, the MX-2, I mean, those are now 10, 12 years old, and those those releases were enjoyable. The CX-2 I liked more than the MX-2. Um, yeah. Or LX-2. I think there was also an LX-2 as well. Um, 
liked those, liked some of those. Those were really good. I liked uh, the Brasilia, obviously. The America was okay. I didn't love the America, but there was a lot of other winners from CAO. Back in the day, I bought a humidor with the coffins of the Millenniums, um, mm -hmm. 25 of the Millenniums, and that was a great cigar. Um, a lot of good stuff. They're, they're a brand that, you know, although they've certainly had a, a lot of negativity associated with them over the last decade, there was a lot of positive uh, things that they did that I found that they did. Um, yeah. I, I like that Brasilia. I, I like that as well. Um, I did not care much for the Italia for whatever reason when it came out. I wasn't a big fan of that blend. But uh, Corona Cigar over in Orlando is a, a pretty big operation. I mean, it's a seriously sizable retailer nationwide. Um, and they had CAO make them a couple of blends uh, just called Escap Escaparate and then a country of origin. And uh, mm. I think one was Costa Rica and I don't recall the other one, but they were just made for Corona and that was the only place you could get them. And those were solid, good cigars, but I'm assuming they're long gone because that's been several years ago. Now. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, uh, I didn't know that. And why do you say Corona is nationwide? Well, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, on a national scale, they have a presence, even though they only have three locations in the Orlando area. Mm. Because they do a lot of online business, and when I'm when I'm making comparisons, I mean, they. I don't know what they carry these days, but I remember their ads at one time saying they had three million cigars in stock at any given time between three stores mm. and a warehouse. Good and they're now gr growing their own tobacco. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I got some inkling of who they're working with, but I'm supposed to kind of keep that under my hat. Um, growing it right here in Claremont, Florida, which is just 20 minutes from my house. That's right. I forgot about that. Yep. Hmm. Hmm. Well, lots of lots of good fun stuff to uh, to be had there. It sounds. Looks like uh, Cigar Coop and Kid Corona both really like the um, Nicapuro from Alan Bradley. Frankie likes the AB New York. Cigar Coop just reminded me what the other one was besides Costa Rica. It was Ecuador. Hmm. Interesting. I think he's right. He said he believes they still have some, they being Corona, but doesn't think that CAO produces them anymore. I, I agree, Coop. I don't think so either. I think the production ceased on those quite a while back. <laughs> I have to kind of chime in here. I just came back to the... Uh, chat room and <laughs> I kind of got lit up a little bit here. Guys are like, oh, is Craig going to share another odd camping story? <laughs> and then people bust in to say all his stories are odd regardless of subject. True, but the camping ones seem to be stranger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> jerk offs. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, what else we got here? Now the we next one's a big one. Yeah, the IPCPR yesterday, I think, um, sent out an alert, an email, something going on legislatively, and a group of bipartisan House of Representative members in Congress 
I have sent a letter to the Department of Justice Office of the Inspector General and the Office of Professional Responsibility requesting that they investigate the Operation Choke Point, uh, which we talked about several weeks ago, that were kind of um, making a, an effort and pushing out a political agenda to try to choke out certain businesses, you know, some uh, some legal, some kind of pushing that limit, but but to include tobacconists, where basically the, the banks are taking their directives from... from uh, from this operation and running with it and just cutting off tobacconists and calling them up and saying, hey, we're not your bank anymore. We're closing your accounts out. And so it was kind of a big deal that 33 representatives got on board together from both sides of the aisle and have asked for this. You know, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to fool myself into thinking that much is going to come out of it, but I, I can hope anyway. I, I the letter is available online to read, and I thought that it was actually quite appropriate. Um, I mean, coming right out and using statements like, uh, um, uh, there's no doubt in our mind that Department of Justice officials have abused their authority to advance a personal political agenda. Um, that says a lot. You know, it, it maybe it doesn't say a lot towards a change, but it says a lot that I don't know. I think we often uh, fall prey to this idea that Congress is not working for us, their constituents. And, um, you know, with the IPCPR perhaps um, leaning a little bit into this and uh, this letter being bipartisan, it to me it carries a little bit of weight, and I'm glad to, to read some harshly worded criticism here. Um, perhaps a, a nice attempt at a balance uh, within our government. It'll be nice to see if anything does come of this, though I do certainly understand the skepticism. Um, <clears throat> you know, I have to say another odd, well, not an odd thing. Uh, yes, an odd thing, excuse me. But not another one. Boy, I made that entirely too confusing. Um, if you look at the letter, the 33 members of Congress who have signed it have all used blue marker or blue pen What's that all about? Is that normal? Like, it just seems odd that they would all use a different writing utensil, but it's all blue. I don't know, dude. I don't think I ever paid that much attention to it. It looks like somebody used a Sharpie. looks like somebody used a ballpoint pen, and everybody else, like, used felt tips. It's just weird. I don't know. Guys have torn me up about having weird stories, so of course I'm going to have weird comments on things. <laughs> And I swear, somebody's signature on here just looks like they drew a mountain range. Ted Poe. He just goes, and it's done. There's no letters in there that should look like that. <laughs> uh, he must be all right. illiterate. He's putting his mark. Well, he is from Congress. Yeah. We'll take. Oh, I closed out of it. Uh, never mind. Quickly. What else we got on here? A public service announcement for all you listeners out there, uh, especially those of you who enjoy dressing up as weird things on Halloween. Hell, I don't know, maybe not a weird thing. Those of you who are costumers, 
Grand Habano has a contest going on through October 31st, and it has a pretty killer prize, I think. <laughs> it's almost worse, worth putting together a costume. Uh, I'll just read you the little note that they had, that if you enter our 2014 Halloween costume contest now by posting a picture of yourself dressed up in a costume on our official Grand Habano Cigars Facebook page, or use the hashtag. Holy crap. Yeah, I know. The hashtag is Grand Habano Halloween Contest 2014. All <laughs> one word. Would that just be the length of an appropriate tweet? Just about, dang. Uh, so if you post with that uh, hashtag on Instagram, um, Instagram or Facebook appear to be the, the only two ways they're really monitoring this. Um, the winner will win their choice of any six Grand Habano 20-count boxes of cigars. You want six of one kind or six different or whatever, you get six boxes um, of, of their cigars, which I think is that's a, that's a good dang deal right there. Um, <laughs> you could spend 100 bucks on a costume and still come out well ahead financially. Yeah, or you could not be chosen and spend 100 bucks. <laughs> That's all right. You got a damn cool costume then. Yeah. Uh, contest ends October 31st, 2014 at 11.59 p.m. Keep in mind, if your Instagram account is set to private, they will not be able to see your post. So open them up, boys. I thought that was pretty cool. I, mm -hmm. I can only imagine how many six-foot-tall cigars we're going to see. In, oh, <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it took a minute to get through the layers. That's all right. The uh, there's something pressing on your memory in there. Man, my memory's crap to start with. Having a tumor digging around in there's <laughs> not helping anything. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's all right. I'll yeah. forgive you. I can be okay. It just takes a lot longer these days. But I'm not sure how much of that's just age related. Oh, just for the rest of your life, blame it on the tumor. Oh, man, I'm already doing that. I'm blaming everything. I'm gassy. Tumor fault. <laughs> late. Late for an appointment. Tumor fault. <laughs> Forgot to do some household chore. Uh, dang, tumor fault. Uh, feel like a nap? Oh, I'm tired and sleepy. Tumor fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh Oh yeah, yeah. I don't know how much longer I'm going to get to keep that that uh, excuse, but I'm going to squeeze it for every drop I can. So maybe you could put it on hiatus for a week or so, and then bring it back with a fury in uh, the last week of October. <laughs> sounds like a plan, man. Yeah, I'm wearing it out in the meantime. <laughs> uh, I was trying to catch up here. Well, I am very interested in hearing about the revised review guidelines that you've uh, implemented recently. Yeah, I uh, posted a review today, and trying. Oh, Acosta Fernandez, and some folks will be uh, familiar with the JFR line, you know, which stands for Just for Retailers. Um, I actually have seen that cigar online. I think to do that, the place has to have a physical location. It was intended for retailers, brick-and-mortar shops, 
Um, it's a uh, you know, middle middle of the road in terms of pricing. It's actually on the lighter end of the sweet spot. It's not they're not very expensive. Um, that line's been around for several years now, and they're making an extension to that line. It's the JFR XT, and it comes in both Corojo and a Maduro uh, wrapper. And I put a review up of that today. And I, as I was doing that, I was paying attention to oops, sorry, my existing review format that I put together here a couple months ago now, I guess. And I realized uh, a pretty major flaw in it. And that flaw is, you know, I was trying to um, somehow figure pricing into it. And so I had varying levels of deduction for pricing and, and there was a, still uh, a good bit of excuse me um, subjectivity there uh, I did as yeah, I even assigned numbers pricing levels that made, meant different points but there was some subjectivity in that if I felt it was still performed well maybe it wouldn't get quite the deduction and what I realized is while that's keeping honesty with the pricing for cigars that are over ten bucks um, cigars that are lower than that they got no deduction we're getting a big bonus because they're getting uh, 100 figured into their score just for being under ten bucks mm. and I, I, I was I was smoking that cigar this morning first thing actually uh, to do the review and I was going through that and realizing that I was being overly critical on that cigar trying to compensate for a hundred so the thing didn't end up scoring a 96 or something because it wasn't that kind of cigar. It didn't deserve that and I knew it and so I realized that the thing that was throwing it all out of whack is all these scores that were honest and it still had a really high final score was because of having that hundred figured into it. Mm. So what I've done is for cigars that fall under that, that uh, uh, top end of the the uh, sweet spot pricing, the uh, the the value the the deductions assigned for pricing are disregarded, and what that what it actually does the math behind that that table will take the other four scores, average them, and that's the pricing score. Um, it it just it just kills the impact that it has because I, that doesn't didn't, just didn't seem fair to me. And I'm not updated it in the downloadable tables and all that yet. I just kind of did this on the fly today, and hopefully it, it doesn't come out being a terrible mistake when I think through it tomorrow. <laughs> well, I guess that's how every one of my actions is thought of. <laughs> well, you know, I was just noticing that in my, my just being 100% transparent and honest here, I was compensating. In uh, the other scores and and being overly critical because it was hard not to have everything be just crazy high score. When you take you have five scores and if one of them's a guaranteed hundred hundred, if you just have a price under ten bucks, that that really has a lot of sway on the final score. Mm. Uh, I thought it best for a cigar is either penalized for being really expensive relative to the normal, you know. Market center. You, you, I don't think you should have a bonus just for being at the market center. Is what it all boils down to. Hmm. Well, it's an interesting perspective. 
Okay. Can we what your problem is with it? Oh, no. I don't have a problem. I agree with it completely. Hmm. I just... <clears throat> I, You applied... There was a threshold. So at one point, you deemed that threshold as being correct. And now having revised it, it seems you're only revising it because you're going, ooh, that was a mistake. Not necessarily taking into account what your reasoning was for that threshold in the beginning. I'm leaving the threshold for cigars that are well above what we arbitrarily call the sweet spot, where we think cigars ought to normally be within that $69 range. If they're significantly over that, they receive deductions for that. But the, by including that, then what I've done is guaranteed a bonus for anything that falls under nine bucks. It's just instead of that being a starting point, it's a starting point plus a bonus already in hand for nothing. I mean, not for nothing, but for staying in under the availability. The, yeah. <clears throat> well, accessibility. Maybe we use that term. Yeah. All right, it's a cool essay. It's cool. <laughs> uh, that was Mike Quentin Tarantino. Sorry. Uh, okay, I got you. What else we got here tonight? We got a pretty cool story about some of the uh, Taranio employees being employed elsewhere. Yeah, it, it's kind of a a bad news now. Good news when uh, Taranio sold out. To general a couple weeks ago, they uh, their entire sales staff was essentially just displaced. Um, general had no need and didn't keep them around, um, so they were pretty much they woke up one morning and didn't have a job anymore. It was a big surprise to all of them. Uh, so it, it was good to see that some of those are starting to land on their feet with other companies. And there's a company, and I posted a review of one of their cigars just a couple weeks ago. Robert Roberto P. Duran, um, Duran, and a couple of those guys have landed with them: uh, Miguel Chodel and uh, Jack Tarano, a family member, and uh, maybe one or two other sales guys uh, have have landed with that one company. It was pretty cool because that company, to be honest, before they sent me those cigars to review were off my radar entirely. I'd never seen them on a shelf, didn't really see them through social media or anything. I knew they existed, but knew nothing about them. Um, and so I know they have a sizable number of accounts, I believe. In the literature I read, they sent along that they were in 200 stores nationwide. Um, but I imagine picking up some well-trained uh, sales guys and folks that are familiar with the industry and, and Miguel, who's been you know the sales director for Toronto, which is a, a you know was a sizable company in its own right. Um, I think it's got to be a boon. I mean, it's got to get them in that many more uh, stores in the near future and maybe get a little more market presence to where it becomes a, a much better known name. Uh, the cigar that I had was a great cigar. I didn't really care for the format. It was a 6x60, but... It was a good cigar, man. I, I liked it. The, the if you go back and read the review, the the negatives I put were uh, the earlier line was more uh, was priced more in what we're still calling the normal range, but this new line is uh, 
being marketed as more of a super premium kind of cigar, and that that particular stick I had was going to retail for sixteen bucks. And you know, if it's me, I'm pretty skeptical. And a brand new company I've never heard of wants to sell me a sixteen dollar cigar. I hope, <clears throat> excuse me, I hope it's successful for them. But that was the real negative to me that you know, if people were going to be willing to invest that into a, a new a new brand new cigar. I uh, I had thought that just out of my own mistake, I had thought that uh, Duran was or Duran um, was <coughs> Turant or Turant, the tobacco growing family. It's a Mexican family that grows oh. um, uh, that has grown for generations. A and I knew that. Around. Thank you. I knew that they had toyed with being becoming a manufacturer or at least having cigars manufactured and so I was um, I'm a fan of their tobacco I uh, five years ago or so eh, I'll say about that time um, uh, they had kind of partnered a little bit with Granabano and were uh, selling a lot of tobacco to them to do some of their cigars I think that was around when Granabano came out with their Azteca um, and they had a really, really spectacular Maduro, San Andreas Maduro. Um, and uh, so I was just really excited when I read this this release and uh, then obviously quickly learned that I was incorrect about it. But either way, it turned me on to now the Duran cigars, and uh, that's, you know, that's certainly a good thing. Yeah. I can dig it. Mm-hmm. Well, we uh, we have blown through news here. Do you want to uh, talk a little bit about this uh, DPG Blue? Yeah. I'm actually way behind you for once since you lit so much earlier than me. <laughs> well, I am, I am so far ahead of you, I'm done. Oh, wow. I have uh, I... <clears throat> I've started my backup cigar. I have four inches of cigar left here. Um, I, I I have to say I am blown away by how flavorful that wrapper was, and as I uh, smoked just the cigar with the binder on it afterwards, um, I really was disappointed. That wrapper makes that cigar. It is not the same specimen when. Uh, when there's no wrapper on there, and not every cigar can provide that for you, but it absolutely rounds out the blend in its entirety, and I love it with the wrapper on it, and I uh, would highly recommend that you smoke that cigar for uh, the incredible characteristics that uh, that wrapper lends. Uh, would you like to try it in Lancero? Well, now that I won't turn down. Okay, I think I got. <laughs> I got a few left around here somewhere. Oh man, I think I would dig that. Yeah, I like it. Like I said, the Robusto and Lancero, which are pretty different sizes and shapes, those are my two favorites. The Lancero <laughs> is more akin to this. The the Robusto man, they just cover me up with sweetness. Mm. What kind of sweetness do you think is in that Robusto? Mm. It's a real um, tropical spice kind of thing, like we talked about before. Um, maybe some faint sweet cedar mixed into it. 
It sounds like it'd be pretty good. I love that tropical spice. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> hmm. Well, I uh, I would definitely smoke this blend again, as I couldn't wait to smoke it tonight, and will absolutely be on the lookout for that Lancero, if and when you do get the chance to send it. Yeah, I'll think about it. <laughs> All right, I'll be nice to you. <laughs> I'm going to send them sometime. <laughs> hey, if I forget, blame Tumor. Be all right. Yeah, it's the Tumor's fault. Yeah. Can't blame it. <laughs> or can't blame you. Excuse me. Uh, well, we got a lot of cigars that the two of us Holy have smoked in the crap. last two. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not messing around. I see that. You have five cigars on there. Wow. Oh, and five cigars are just the ones that I want to talk about. Yeah. Go for mm. it. Well, I, uh, I have smoked a few of these before in our What Else segment, and um, uh, a few of them I have not. But uh, I have to say, I, I really treated myself, um, and the results were, were quite enjoyable. Um the first cigar that I have is uh, the Boulevard Gold Medal, and it's it's one of those one of those cigars that um, is just incredibly uh, sought after in kind of the collectible region um, or the collectible landscape. Let's say people who you know seek these out from the '60s, '70s, and '80s do so because they're typically one of the strongest cigars um, ever made in Cuba. And um, so I, uh, when these were re-released in 2004 by a German, 2004, 2005, by a German retailer, La Costa de Libano in uh, Germany, um, I did not get my hands on them. But subsequently, afterwards, I was able to uh, secure some of them and have been sitting on these for quite some time. Um, a really, really enjoyable cigar that has absolutely evolved and changed and morphed since it's been released uh, nine, ten years ago. Um, it totally is building in strength. It is not. It has not been this strong uh, before. It has a lot of the earth. Does not have a lot of the Bolivar um, uh, citrusy flavors, um, and it's becoming a little bit more one note, but not so much one note in a bad way. One note in that. It has a new characteristic to it. Some of the old boulevards were very, very heavy on like the white pepper and earth, um, <clears throat> very, very hard flavors. This still has a little bit of that balance from the soft flavor, the the softer, sweeter spice. Um, not so much the the citrus spice, but a sweeter um, spiciness. And it's it's just such a um, a great cigar. Where it's going to, I'm not sure if I'll enjoy if it continues to get those hard flavors, but the the trend that it's moving towards will be enjoyable, I think, until it finally reaches that full-on, hard, in-your-face, uh, ballsy, earthy taste. So mm -hmm. probably for the next couple of years, these are going to be pretty flippin' fantastic as they, you know, as a 10-year-old cigar, as they continue to evolve in strength, um, it's going to be good. Mm. Cool. <clears throat> That's the one that um, E.P. Carrillo kind of copied. Copied the packaging. Yeah. 
That's correct. That's the original. That and what's called the Sancho Panza Dorados were the two original cigars that came wrapped half in uh, uh, in like a gold or a silver foil. Um, those are, but gold medal is absolutely the most famous. Cool. I think that's what EPC called theirs too, the Dias de Oro. Yeah, that might be the case. And they did a platinum edition this year for the same shop up there in New England. Federal, I think it was. Now, the, the, you know, little, perhaps a little bit of a side note, La Gloria Cubana is known for their their Medias de Oro subline. Under the La Gloria Cubana, there's a separate line. Um, and uh, now, you know, you go back far enough in Ernie Carrillo's history, he obviously had a hand in uh, the non-Cuban version of La Gloria Cubana. So you could probably make the case that the EPC grabbed that Medias de Oro name from La Gloria Cubana, but you could also say because of the packaging that he took it from the Boulevard Gold Medal. Uh, but either way, it, uh, it's a darn good cigar. A darn good cigar. Cool. Excellent. Well, I'll jump into my next one here, since you've got three on your list. I'll get this one out of the way, and then we cut alternate a little bit. Excuse me. Um, my next just happens to be one of the first cigars that we uh, smoked here on Half Ashed. It's a Ramona Ionis Eminencia, um, also from 2005. These are very similar in character to that Boulevard Gold Medal, where they're kind of transitioning from being a predominantly soft-flavored cigar with a lot of sweetness and a lot of sweet spice, um, and moving a little bit more in towards the kind of tobacco core and a little bit harder flavors that you find in in some of the Ramon Ionis, um, uh blends. It's it's interesting, though, because it was so incredibly rich, I felt like it, it needed more balance. Um, the gold medal wasn't as rich. It wasn't as, you know, like, uh, you know, I, a fried egg. That yolk on a fried egg has just got so much richness to it that it just needs to be balanced out somehow. Um the Eminencia was that way, where it was just, just brimming with flavor, um, so full flavored, although not overly complex. Again, it, it wasn't a cigar that, oh geez, in the ten years of age, it's it's lost a lot. I feel like it's the opposite. It's just gaining in depth and richness, um, and I think that depth and richness might be kind of balance, or excuse me, um, weighing. Wang, that's not the right word. It might be overpowering some of the other complexities that I bet are still there. You just need to really bring them out uh, because that, that heavy richness is just overpowering it. A very good cigar, and although I'm not usually a very heavy, very rich cigar guy, um, there was just such a level of refinement here that I really liked it. Really liked it. Yeah. Mm. That sounds good. If I remember right, that was one of my favorite cigars we smoked last year. I I believe you're correct. It it had a ton of that sweet and sour flavor that you kind of coined that phrase based upon, um, and it's lost a lot of that. It's really kind of evolved much more towards that that one note, uh, the hard flavors. Hmm. 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 Well, what have I got on here? 
your first one, which I'm incredibly intrigued by. Yeah, have you ever heard of this? I have. I uh, uh, I've had them before. Really? Mm-hmm. I had not. I've had one for a while, maybe a year and a half, two years, that my uh, buddy Jeff had had in his humidor since 2001, I guess. I mean, it was a yep. an, an older cigar. I think that's when they were released, and he gave it to me. And I finally broke that thing out and smoked it two or weeks ago or so, a week and a half, two weeks ago. It, it was far and away the best CAO I've ever had and a... Uh, you know, a contender for a upper echelon kind of smoke. It, it was amazing. It was a fantastic. And that sweet and sour interplay you were just talking about had that just oozing out of it, just back and forth. And, and it had that tropical spice kind of thing going on. Um, <clears throat> even toward the end, the, the sweetness kind of just took over, and it was kind of that... Uh, graham cracker, sweet bread kind of thing. Maybe mm. brown sugar may be a better way of putting it. It was a little more dense than just a, a dusting of a, a graham cracker, but I don't want to call it, you know, so ooey-gooey sweet bread kind of thing. I'm, I'm going to go with the brown sugar, but, man, it, it was it was a wonderful cigar. Did you say the name of the cigar? Oh. <laughs> Dang tumor. Um <laughs> It's a CAO Odyssey. I'm sorry. I'm just acting like it's just the two of us hanging out here. We're not doing a show or anything. <laughs> you can see the notes. What I got to say the name for it? It was a CAO Odyssey, folks. I'm sorry about that. Uh, it, it was a limited edition, like I said, 2001, so it's been laying around for 13 years. Um, had good care taken of it. Fabulous smoke. Love it. Would pay a good amount of money to get my hands on another one. Hmm. Well, I don't think you'll ever find another one. I, I haven't seen one in probably a decade. I haven't either, and I looked really hard because I wanted to find another one <clears throat> so we could, me and uh, Jeff could both have one. It was an amazing smoke. I, I tweeted a picture of it, and Jeff Borshowitz, the Corona owner, answer, owner, answered back and said that was one of his favorites. I... uh. I believe those were 2001. The CAO Millennium Millennials Millennium was 2000, and then 2002 or 2003, there was a cigar that CAO came out with, and it wasn't in a coffin, but it was in like a gold rectangular tube, and those I also really oh. enjoyed. But I don't remember what the heck they were called. They they had just CAO Gold Maduro came in those gold rectangular tubes for a while. No, no, this had Connell's face on it and it it was a it was a special cigar. It was released like in the annual release of the Millennium Odyssey and then whatever that was. And I don't recall. I don't know. That must have escaped my attention. Hmm. Well, we've got this newfangled thing called the the Googler, which <laughs> uh, I'm sure can help me find that. I believe you're the Googler. <laughs> I am the Googler. Using the Google. You know, one time, I'm going to tell this story. If my wife ever watches this episode, she will throttle me. Uh, <laughs> one time, I don't remember, she was like saying a sentence and then changed the thought in midstream, and so she said something and it came out. She just called it the Google. <laughs> so 
the rest of us ever since. We just took that and ran with it. That's what we call Google now. It's the Google. Always. <laughs> she gets irritated every time, but it ain't changing back. The Google. She hates it every time we say it. The 65th anniversary is the cigar I'm thinking of. Okay. That That's the, uh, the golden tube, rectangular golden tube special release. When did they, when the company start up? I couldn't tell you. Well, no, CAO's been around forever. Well, decades. no, he, uh, he came here as a uh, Mearsham Carver. He was a pipe guy before they ever did cigars. I'm wondering. Huh. Yeah, it had Connell's face on it, a uh, big 65 gold band. I bet it was his 65th birthday. It may have been his 65th. Looks like the, the cigar company and pipes were not founded until 1968. Oh, well, then somebody has some really bad math skills or it's his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. You want to get one more of yours? Yeah, why the heck not? Well, third one on my list is a regional release for France in 2006. Uh, I have the notes incorrect here. Let me change that. Um, but there's been a lot of fans of uh, the Juan Lopez Selection Number no. 1, which is uh, Corona Gorda, same size as tonight's Cigar of the Week. Um, uh, released in the 90s, it very much kind of has a new school uh, we've referred to that new school Estelian flavor. Well, this was a new school Cuban flavor. It wasn't so much kind of the, you know, the old Partigas or Punch or things of that nature, which are very tobacco centric. Um, uh, this was kind of new, complex, not overly deep, not incredibly rich, but a nice, somewhat mild cigar that was just really approachable even when young with great, great, great um, uh, flavors. Well, this French regional release from 2006 was a Bellicoso, and it reminded me a ton of that selection, number one, but with a richness that you just don't get from that cigar. Um, and it was it was really, really enjoyable. I smoked it on the river uh, while I caught the biggest fish of the week. So it was mighty tasty. Cool. There's your fishing yeah. story, folks, and it was not weird at all. <laughs> we'll get into fishing later, but it probably won't be weird. <laughs> hey, I got a side note real quick here about CAO. What's up? This was back before General bought them out, and they were, uh, I guess they were headquartered, or at least had offices in Nashville, Tennessee. And I bought a CAO pipe, and it was a Mearsham pipe. Uh-huh. And I broke the tenon. Um, that actually broke the threads on the tenon. Really? What happened, it appeared it had been put in incorrectly and like forced in and it like dinged up the thread so it didn't want to come out right. And I sent them a little note and a week later or so a pack of new tenons showed up in the mail. Hmm. No questions, no hassle, no paperwork. Here's, here's some new tenons. Just hey, sorry about that. Mm -hmm. That's awful damn nice. Yeah. Well, my next cigar is two cigars. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I had to think, think tumor. Um, 
Then La Polina, Kill Bill, one and two. I uh, made a stop this past week at a cigar shop I'd never been to. I met the owners on a CFC trip a couple of years ago. And they weren't there, so I didn't get to hang out with them, but it's in uh, Leesburg, Florida. Um, it's called Garvino's. And I stopped by there, and they still had Kill Bill 1 and 2. So I got one of each. Just just wanted to try them. I had not picked up on these when they first came out, and they had just kind of fallen by the wayside for me. And um, I smoked the Kill Bill 1. It was good. I mean, I did, didn't... I liked it a lot, but it didn't just change my thinking and make me want to you know, go back and buy the box of them. Uh, and then the next day... Here at home, I fired up the Kill Bill 2 and just absolutely fell in love. That was such a fantastic smoke, and and they're both fairly small. Um, so much that I like thought twice about making the trek back up there, because Leesburg's not real close to me. I mean, it's not forever away, but it's not super close. But it was really good cigar. Hmm. I have not had the two. I've only had the one and did not find it to be fantastic. Oh, man. I, I thought the same thing about one, but the two was just uh, in a whole different galaxy of goodness from one. That's uh, it's an interesting way to put it, but I'm glad to hear that it was that much better because it would have to be that much better in order for it to be spectacular. I like a, a lot of La Polinas, but that one just was, oh, that's kind of a letdown, you know? Yeah, yeah the one I don't think I would have called it a letdown, but I was like, okay, it's another cigar. But the two was much more polished, a bit creamier, softer around the edges. Um, a lot of uh, almost toasted marshmallow kind of flavors, just, just dang good. Hmm. Well, that's pretty cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. I have, uh, ah, the Fuente Senior Blend that, mm. we've, that we talked about a couple weeks ago, saying that uh, I had a cigar, I was unsure of what it was, and you clarified that it would most likely be this Senior Blend. Most likely. We most likely. We know for sure. <laughs> Well, I would say that it definitely is, because there's no chance this was a Don Carlos. Okay. I, I just I don't think it was a Don Carlos. It was not nearly as as sweet and citrusy uh, as what I find in Don Carlos cigars. And you and I have talked in the past about how you don't necessarily get a lot of the same flavors as I do from those. But this one absolutely was um, a ton less citrus but not as spicy as I expected. I had kind of thought that it would be kind of a, not an animal, but I thought that it would be something that was a little more aggressive, you know, just a little more oomph to it, and it didn't come across that way. It came across as being with the character of spice, but really suave, really suave, and really enjoyable, um, complex, a slow burner, spectacular construction, um, just kind of a journey. I, I, I really dug this cigar. It was uh, the first cigar I had on the trip. Lit it up uh, from the airport to our first stop. And uh, it was spectacular. 
Yeah, and, and I worry about my description of that cigar as being like a Don Carlos, but with a little more kick. And I try to uh, say that without overstating it, because I don't want people to think it's just going to be a, a monster. I mean, you got to remember, Don Carlos, Carlos Sr. created Don Carlos. The Don Carlos Sr. blend is still his blend, just kind of tweaked a little bit for him personally, for what he likes. So we know that he likes the Don Carlos Maybe he just made something, you know, it's just tweaked a little bit. It's just got just a, just a bit more to it. I felt like it was, I don't know if aged was, would be the right way to put it, but I felt like it was perhaps more quality tobacco. Could that be it? Like the a better, better graded tobacco from what a normal Don Carlos would be. It just felt like it was a little more precise. You know, and it's it, it's possible that it was just, you know, at, I smoked the cigar at the right time that the cigar should have been smoked, you know, but uh, uh, it was it was a good cigar. It was catching. Yeah, and at the right turn. It's entirely possible that they had some amount of a tobacco, and Carlos Senior's like, man, I really really love that tobacco, but. We don't have enough to just go selling it, and I'm just going to use it for myself. Entirely mm. possible. And they have an insane amount of tobacco of many different vintages and locations at their fingertips. I mean, I've, I've personally witnessed, laid eyes on bales of tobacco from the 40s in, in their cold storage up there, and it's, it's, wow. it's amazing what they have laying around. That's so damn cool. And that was the the big loss when they had the warehouse fire three years ago. Was that warehouse had uh, lots of tobacco? Thankfully, most of it was less expensive filler tobaccos. But they had bales of tobacco in that warehouse from throughout the '60s that just went up in smoke. Oh, some fireman was just standing as close as he could get to the flames, just going. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'll go in. I think there's somebody in there. I gotta go in. <laughs> oh, help me, help me. Wait, did you hear that? <laughs> That's terrible. It was a rat hole in a box right there. <laughs> uh, well, you wanna you wanna talk about your final one on here, or do you just wanna kinda allude to the review you've put up recently? I do a little bit of both. And uh, the last one I on here was what I talked about earlier. The the review is up at halfash.com. Uh, and not at the Cigar Me. I've put a post up at the Cigar Me trying to push folks over that that, that that's where the future is. Um, <laughs> the future of Cigar Media. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, the JFR <laughs> XT Corojo. Um, the, the review's all up, what I thought about it, and I think they can do well with this cigar. Uh, limiting it to brick and mortars could be good or not be good. Um, good solid smoke from Costa Fernandez. I made a statement in the review, and I totally believe that you know, with every passing day, their blends come out a little more refined, a little better thought out, uh, a little more cohesive. Um, and I think this is evidence of that. This this cigar is very close to typical Costa Fernandez flavor, with maybe just a little more, or a little more, a little less. 
uh, nicotine potency than I've come to expect from them. It's not quite as bold, but it still has that that bright, spicy, Corojo kind of flavor. Um, really enjoyed it. And I believe it's going to retail this Vitola somewhere around the 6 to 650 mark. Hmm. If you're the guy like me that loves Casa Fernandez but maybe gets whipped by the strength sometimes, this is the cigar for you. Really? Yeah. That's an interesting selling point. Thank you for putting it that way. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, I think it's it's uh, well publicized that the two of us are not exactly uh, nicotine monsters. So. Yeah, I'm a wuss. I'll blame yeah, I mean, that on the tumor too. <laughs> hey, you've had the tumor for years now, so you could. It's true, man. Well, it screwed me up for a decade. Oh. Yeah. You have another Fuente on here. <gasps> I do, but I don't think this is really what I'm saying it is. <clears throat> so I had this I, I had this with some show cigars. You had uh, sent me some of these in the past. We did it on the show. It just happens to be the Fuente Unnamed Reserve. Um, but my measurement of this cigar came in at 6 and a quarter inches by 48 and what I've found about the unnamed reserve is that it's supposed to be five and three quarters. So it had the same red, you know, silk band at the foot, and uh, it obviously looked as if it was a sun-grown wrapper, which the unnamed reserve, I believe, should have. Um, I, I'm assuming this was the unnamed reserve. That's the only thing that I would imagine it would be, but. I don't know. Do you have any ideas what a slightly larger version would have been? Uh, yeah. Oh. I, I don't recall the sizes right offhand, but that five and three-quarter one was 2012. 2013 had two different sizes. They had one that was a little shorter and a little plumper, and then another that was a little longer and a little thinner. And yeah. I don't recall the dimensions off of those. Well, it may very well have been the 2013 then, but it was terrific, as expected. Um, I I love these cigars, and I know that you had shared in the past that perhaps they weren't met with as much uh, as positive of uh, a reception as some people had expected them to have, but I dig it. And if this is an, an unnamed reserve, I think that it can absolutely solidify my uh, stance that these will be a cigar I will seek out if and when they continue to be released. I'm not seeing any of the three that was six and a quarter. Six hmm. and a quarter. Huh. I believe it was six and a quarter. Yeah, I'm going by memory on what that measured, but I think that's what it was. No other markings. It just had the black band, like Don Carlos-esque band. That's and correct, but with the red, red foot band, a ribbon. I don't know. Got me, man. The only other thing I can think of like that are some of the Yehos. Oh, it definitely was not. Hmm. Well, that's been a pretty darn good uh, couple weeks of cigars for us. I see that. Just looking over the list. Yeah. You, uh, you got anything else to share on there? You want to kind of jump into the, the scheduled rat hole portion of yeah, the show? Yeah, let's jump into the scheduled rat hole portion of the show. 
Well, can I can I brag a little bit with this scheduled rat hole portion? Or Absolutely, no? man. I'd love nothing more other than I, me being able to brag. <laughs> <laughs> I caught the biggest trout, the biggest rainbow trout I've ever caught in my life, and uh, it was fan flipping tastic. What I didn't catch a lot of fish. Um, nobody did actually. There was such an incredible hatch of um, these tiny, tiny... I mean, I thought they looked like mayflies, but they were probably 3 sixteenths of an inch long only, and jet black. Um, and the fish were just gorging on them, absolutely going crazy. The, the most large trout I've ever seen in my life, um, the most quantity, I mean, of large trout I've ever seen in my life, were just going after these little emergents like there was no tomorrow. Um, and if you did a good enough job of presenting to them, and if you <clears throat> were able to catch the drift of the river perfectly, you'd get a strike. I mean, it was just that simple. If you put your fly by the fish and you did it properly, that was exactly what they were going after. And we knew it the entire time we were fishing, and it was fantastic. Um, it was just so fun. Great weather, mid-70s, sunny every day. Um, every morning was 40 degrees, and so it was crisp. You got out on the river, and you were wearing your, you know, your waders and some sweatshirts, and feeling great. You didn't get too cold in the 40 degree water. It was just uh, a great, great time. Great rum. My dad and I went through two bottles of rum in three days. It was, it was just one of those, you know, just one of those things that you can look forward to every year and know is going to be a great, great trip. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I haven't fly fished in so long. I don't know if I'd remember how to cast. Uh, oh, I think fly fishing is like riding a bike. You're never going to forget it. <laughs> I hope. I don't yeah. even have a fly rod right now. I drove over mine and last one and broke it. Well, I think we happen to know somebody who could help you out with that and who has offered to. I have, and I've actually sent him a message and asked about that and he has asked back for some information that maybe I'm going to make that happen sometime for too long. Good. Real good. Yeah. I, uh, if I had stayed in Colorado, I was going to look him up and <clears throat> see if he wanted to get together for a smoke. But alas, we, uh, we went south. We were in New Mexico, the San Juan River. And it was, it was just spectacular. Hmm. Really? So, go ahead. About what size was your biggest rainbow trout ever? Um, five and a half pounds, twenty-two inches. Nice, very that nice. That was that was a big fish, and uh, the next largest I caught was a seventeen-incher. Um, <clears throat> not as heavy, probably about three pounds, three and a half, and uh, it fought like there was no tomorrow. Probably a ten-minute fight, and it just ran about half dozen times. I mean, just ran. Like, <laughs> oh, man, am I going to have to stop this thing? It's taken out all of my line. Yeah, um, when you're halfway into your backing, it's starting to look grim. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. Boy, that, that looks really, really brightly colored. That has not seen sunlight before, you know, looking down <laughs> at the line. Um, <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was just a... A spectacular little fish, and it's the place where we where we were. Um, it's a stretch of about, I'll say, two miles, where it's it's um, deemed quality water. 
So you have to use barbless. You cannot use bait. Um, you cannot use more than one hook at a time. Uh, so you can't use a treble hook. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you probably can't use many lures. Um, and it absolutely is mandated catch and release. Yeah. Um, and it was... I've been here before, but there's never been a time when there were this many big fish. And uh, we chose to go back because they've really been doing a lot of rehabilitation. Um, they put millions into kind of uh, <clears throat> cleaning the waters. Um, it's right below a dam, and so they've actually done some some very specific um, uh, releases of the water uh, of the dam to kind of clean out some of the silt, uh, get rid of the excess algae or bacteria that was there. And it's worked well. The fish are flourishing. And if you're somebody who wants to fly fish and wants to get into trout and you're looking for a place to go, I couldn't recommend this more. You're no more than two, three miles from wherever you're staying in town. Um, Walkable down to the river. Nice accommodations. It was a little crowded, but there were so many fish it didn't didn't matter. You could just walk up river another hundred feet, you know? Mm -hmm. It It was just amazing. That really sounds amazing right now. <sighs> Most of the uh, rivers that feed stocked rivers in Tennessee are the same way with the bait restrictions. Um, so we would take rooster tails. You know what a rooster tail is? Absolutely. And just cut two of the hooks off. And then they started producing <laughs> with single hooks later on. But when I was a kid, that's what we did. If we were not fly fishing, fly fishing, of course, just flies. Yeah. But they did allow a dropper fly for folks that wanted to use that, but I never got into that. I did dropper flies a little bit before I got into my fly rod. Um, but it was uh, it was just such a great time. <clears throat> we I tried dry fly fishing, and I would get hits. Um, but I think they were just kind of territorial strikes, like mm-hmm. get the hell away from where I've got my, you know, where I'm getting my uh, uh, food, you know? Like, yeah just get out of here. And they would like hit it off their snout and the fly would hop up a foot. It was crazy. <laughs> oh, that's so cool, man. man. Such a great time. I miss fly fishing. I gotta, I gotta do something about this. Well, Bob McDuffie has talked about, you know, uh, when I'm planning one of these trips again, he would seriously love uh, an invite to go on it. And I'll tell you what, this is not... Uh, this is not a closed fishing trip. It's to buddies and friends, and there was a new guy on this trip that uh, just happened to be a fishing guide for Pete's sake, so he was a pretty cool guy to gleam some information off of. <laughs> yeah, it's, my trips are never closed to fishing guides. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I would love it if you and Bob uh, tagged along next year. We can get you back in the States, maybe. That'd be awesome. Uh, awesome, would be awesome. pretty cool, man. I'll just go on a fundraising trip, find somebody out there to sponsor me. <laughs> hey, maybe uh, T.L. Johnson Fly Rods would like to bring in a Dominican to show them how uh, good fishing in America is. Yeah, yeah since T.L. Johnson Cigars now is partnered up with Lewis in the Dominican, like 10 minutes from where I'm going to be living. Good gracious. Only makes sense. Well, let's get Terry to come up with us. Do it. We're thinking the Gunnison River next year, so. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds cool. <laughs> uh, well, what else we got on here, my man? 
Uh, we have a throwback from a couple weeks ago with the half-ashed slashed Sig Army changes. I have now published the official word at the Sigarmi saying, hey, this is being pushed over to half-ashed. And for a full explanation for those of you listening that are still listening after the fishing talk for a while, um, I have started migrating the reviews from the Sigarmi over to half-ashed. Uh, the file, the pages themselves still exist at the Sigarmi, but I'm putting redirects on them to to go to the appropriate page of Half-Ashed. Um, I'm also bringing over some of the you know, little pieces I put together, rants and ramblings, that kind of thing, bringing them over. I'm not going to import three years plus of press releases and all that kind of stuff. They're going to stay at the Sigarmi as an archive, but in the near future, the root domain itself will be forwarded to Half-Ashed. Half-Ashed. Um, so... It's all going to be at halfash.com. The Sigarmi will just be an archive. There'll be no new material over there sometime in the very near future. I don't have any plans for putting any new posts as it is, but there's a lot of links out there floating around that'll that'll be still alive. Um, the last two reviews, uh, you put the JFR on there from today, but that Roberto P. Duran also was only posted at Halfash. So the Halfash review thing is in place and going. Uh, if you guys check those out, if you smoke the cigars, any of the ones that when you look at them on the, the homepage there scrolling through, um, any of them that have a score showing on the outside, if you smoke that cigar, you can jump into that, uh, that page and actually leave your own review. Just a single numerical review from yourself. If I rated it a 90 and you think it's a 60, throw it in there, man. It, it keeps them separate. keeps it will show what I rated it, and it will show an average of what all users have rated it. Uh, but if you go in there and throw something stupid, like a zero on there, to just to mess with the numbers, I can pull that out. And I've had to do that once already. Some jack wagon went <laughs> put a zero on everything. Um, pipe tobacco reviews are also at halfash.com, which brings up a side note momentarily. Um, those are a little bit different. They are not going to have the same guidelines. The guidelines are up. You can see how I'm writing these up. Um, and those, you can leave your own uh, review that's a little more in-depth. It has four different categories that you can rate it from zero to five stars. And you can ask me why it's stars instead of points, and I'll explain it at a different time. It's a, it's a lengthy explanation, but it just works better. Um, this type of review system uh, is much more like what pipe tobacco guys are used to seeing, just some stars rather than a, a numerical rating. Um, and it works out better for people that want to leave their own review because pipe tobacco is kind of a different animal than cigars. It, it's not, it's still tobacco, but it's, it's very different in how you approach tobacco rather than cigars in terms of trying to assign some, you know, some kind of number to it. So. You can check out those guidelines. I've only got one pipe tobacco review up so far, and it's the one I did at the Sigarmi a few weeks ago. And there'll be more of those in the days ahead, of course. But uh, that's it. You can update your uh, bookmarks and all to halfashed.com. Uh, Do it. Do it. <laughs> uh, well, 
I uh, I think the only other thing that I'll share on here is a little more about uh, our forum, which heck, it's our forum. We want to talk a little bit about it. It's just a it's a good community. New guys joining every day, getting involved. We've got a lot of fun things going on there. A lot of different things. It's not just a normal forum where you know you get a lot of the basic conversations and and arguments and BS like that. It's just different. It's us, it's our personalities, it's our listeners, and we interact with everybody. Um, Mike Stewart put something up uh, last week, two weeks ago, um, about a Frank in Brasilia. Uh, he took a, a CAO Brasilia. It was a large ring. He opened it up, took the contents out of it, wrapped it in a new uh, binder and wrapper, and made his Frank in Brasilia. And Mike was just so kind as to send me one of these, too, because he said that the the results were absolutely fantastic. So I'm looking forward to lighting that puppy up. It uh, sat here for a few days on my counter while I was away. But uh, it's in the humidor now, and I will do a review of that. And I just might do a review on Half-Ash to follow your uh, guidelines. Do it. That would be pretty I, fun, uh, I think. I happened to receive one of the same just today. Came in the mm. mail this afternoon. So you can do your review, and then I'll come back and tell everybody the real story about the cigar. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Maybe. And the next little line item under half-ash form, I have no idea what that means. I thought you wrote it. I have no idea what that means. No. I got nothing. What do mean? Well, well, we've just solved that problem. <laughs> All righty. Well, I have it. We just wrap up a little bit about this cigar before we wrap this whole show. Sure. I uh, I don't think I've got anything new to share because I'm uh, two-thirds of the way through my backup cigar, but um, I think there's a reason why that uh, DPG Blue is a classic in so many people's eyes, and that's just because it's, it's quality tobacco and a quality blend that's pretty approachable. It has some of the pepine spice, but it's nowhere near the spiciest of any of his offerings. I think that you could give that to somebody who's getting into cigars and not scare them away. In fact, I think that you would show them really what a quality blend and a quality well-rounded, well-balanced cigar can provide. Highly, highly recommended, um, especially if you can find them closer to that $6 range that we've talked about. Yeah, absolutely. And they're they're kind of waking up a little bit with this, this blend. They let it fall by the wayside. I mean, it's still produced, still sells well but not really pushed it or hyped it or, you know, made mention of it, really. It's one of those blends. It's one that, you know, I call them the best cigars you may have never smoked. Um, I think they're fantastic. I enjoy them. So it's a regular smoke for me. If you go look at my Instagram feed, you'll see this cigar pop up quite a bit. Um, and I was glad to see this past year when they did their 10th anniversary cigar, it was a blue. It was a 10th anniversary blue that they put out. Uh, which was a great cigar, but not really worth the price tag for me. Uh, it was similar enough to what you can get out of the standard line that I don't see paying you know triple for it. But nonetheless, I love the blue. Were uh, those rolled by Pepine and Jaime? Or I no? can't answer that. I don't know the que answer to that question. They were good, but maybe not worthy of the the price tag. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I can certainly see that this is a good cigar, but I 
when you can get it for half that price, why not? You know. Yeah, exactly. For but for you know six up to ten bucks, I think these are a winner. What's the smallest size they're available in? Are they available in the little Exquisitos, the Legito number three, the they tiny are. little guy? Yep, that's what I thought. Mm. Are indeed. I don't believe I've ever actually seen those on the shelf, but I, they do make them. That might be a a good group buy for for uh, a few people. Pick up a box of fifty of those and take fifteen or twenty of them with a couple other guys. Mm-hmm. Mm. See, they make a Delicias, which is seven by fifty. A Dimitas, which is four and a half by thirty-two. Exclusivo is 9.2 inches by 48. Uh, Generosos, which is 6 by 50. Imperiales, 6.1 by 52. Invictos, 5 by 50. Toro Gordo, 6 by 56. And what we're smoking tonight, the um, Exquisito. What was the the other size that you said? Oh, yeah, they make 10. Was that the anniversary? Yeah, that was the anniversary. Okay, I was wondering about that. Well, very There's cool, one, my man. One more missing, because that's, that's just nine, but it's not really important. Eh, that's all right. We'll yeah. allow it to slip by. Yeah. Hey, we got to talk about next week. Oh, we do. We have something up in the air. We had planned and set aside next week as a pipe show, but have done absolutely zero preparation. And uh, I think we might also want to talk about next week with the thought that we might need to do it on Saturday night instead of Friday. Okay. Well, if you find folks would like to know the schedule ahead of time, you may just have to check the forum this week. Uh, It'll, of course, be published Google Plus and Twitter and all the normal locations, but that usually does not happen until the night of the show, so... We'll get it out there on the forum as soon as we can, and then we may spring something on you at the last second next week. Well, la-ti-da. And probably a good idea to, to really check into it. We've got uh, the potential for a slight reschedule next week, and then the following week it's Halloween. And I don't know about you, but I'm not exactly sure that a show hearing a uh, uh, a doorbell constantly would be a very good one. So maybe we consider a Saturday for that week to get some consistency to it, or I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I can get by without uh, the ringing being too bad on recording. We tend to get kids a little bit later here, so. Gotcha. We'll talk about that and put it up in all the regular locales. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Maybe at the last second, something will happen. Yeah, there'll still be a show. There will be a show. There's always a show. As long as I'm not in the middle of a surgery, there'll be a show. Uh, So we do not know next week's Cigar of the Week at this point, but we shall return at some point with a show in hand. Um, When I promise you we're going to get this pipe show kicked off, and I think and hope it will become a regular feature, Uh, probably not every week, but at least with some, some regular schedule, maybe quarterly or some such. Uh, but uh, we'll get that going. And in the meantime, this week, next week, whenever, if you got any comments, concerns, compliments, criticisms, whatever you got, send them to us at kip at thecigarmy.com and craig at thecigarmy.com. Uh, by the way, if you send them to kip 
at halfash.com or Craig at halfash.com. Those work just as well. They're forwarded to the addresses I just mentioned, but we may consider switching over in the near future. Um, but if you have any unbanded suggestions, email those to info at thesigarmy.com where my wife will receive it and we'll be none the wiser. And I have a couple of those suggestions lined up. I'll be getting the... Uh, <laughs> and, she, and we will be none the wiser. She will not be none oh. the wiser. <laughs> Dang tumor. <laughs> uh, but if you have submissions where you want to send in the unbanded yourself... Uh, you can get us a Kip or a Craig at thesignarmy.com, and we'll uh, we'll get with an address to send them to. And also, in the meantime, you can now find all of our new content popping up at halfashed.com. Um, you can disregard the cigarmy unless there's something old you just like to peer at every once in a while. <laughs> There'll be no new content over there. We're moving it all over. Um, you can also find Half Ashed on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the forum. Uh, in actuality, if you're on Twitter, you want to find me at the underscore tsunami or Craig at Craig S. Schneider. Um, Instagram is the same as Twitter for me. I don't believe Craig uses that, but uh, you can always find both of us on the forum. And if you have a uh, Half Ashed handle here in the chat room or the forum, or comments on the site, uh, it all is the same. If you have a password and username for one, you have it for all of them. Um, so come on over to the forum, and you should be all signed up if you have a half-ashed screen name. Start hanging out with us. It actually has grown. We had some good activity this week. Uh, several new faces and names popping up, which is pretty cool. Um, it's, it's, it's progressing nicely. Yes, it is. I... Uh... I have to say, oh, I know what forum withdrawal meant. I was going through forum withdrawal when I was on my trip. I wasn't really communicating, and I was wondering what the heck was going on with everybody. That was <laughs> forum withdrawal. Oh, I did write it. Okay. <laughs> eh, never mind. Maybe nobody else remembered that I. that's what I was referencing, but okay. it was there. Okay. Well... As uh, as we come to a close on uh, this episode here of Half Ash, it's it just feels right. Like I should be sitting in this chair on Friday evenings. It uh, uh, it was another fun show. Great time to laugh, talk a little bit about cigars, share some stories from the past week, and hopefully not get into too many crazy camping ones. <coughs> to all you folks in the chat room, giving me a hard time. Uh, but I I think this week I need to kind of step back and. Uh, remember who who has really helped me out in uh, not just my life but also in this hobby and that would be my dad uh, Steve Schneider is uh, he's my best friend he has helped me in so many things in my life that I'll never be able to repay him for I mean the invitation to go hang out with with him and his buddies and and fly fish and drink rum and smoke cigars and eat great food and just laugh my butt off for three, four days. Um, isn't something I ever needed to be included in, but he, he uh, saw fit to make me a regular, and I can't uh, I can't thank him enough for it, along with all the other things I can't thank him enough for. So, Steve, this one's to you, my man. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. And uh, But 
we don't just want to thank Steve. We want to make sure we thank everybody who uh, tunes into the show and makes it a regular part of your life. So, folks, to all of you, wherever you are, from all of us here at Half-Ashed, thank you. And thanks for listening.